Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. Planes are full, airfares aren't just sky high, they're stratospheric. And at the same time, many airlines are cutting back on routes and cities. Airline expert Mike Boyd stops by with his take on another cutback, customer service. Then I'll speak with Virtuoso CEO Matthew Upchurch on the explosion of luxury travel bookings and what that says about the travel industry in general, not to mention your choices. And batting third, Richard Aquino from Allianz, the largest travel insurance company in the world on what you need to know about this often confusing, misleading, but necessary aspect of travel. First up, Mike Boyd. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Mike Boyd, welcome back. Thank you, sir. I'm honored to be here. You know, you did a piece recently that I saw that, that rang a bell. It didn't ring a bell. It, it rang an alarm about... Here we are in 2023 where we have all these other issues, right? Whether it's supposedly a pilot shortage or air traffic controller shortage or airline scheduling or you name it. But you, you, I think you put your finger on the right, on the right button when, we talked, when you talked about customer service and how the frontline people at the airlines or at many airlines are actually trained now to work. I hate to say it, but they're, they're basically tra- trained to work against customers where, where the word no is the operative word before you even have a chance to have a discussion. Absolutely true. Look, when I started in this racket as a gate agent at LaGuardia at American, it was literally five weeks of training before I could even look at a customer. And it wasn't just ticket training and tariff training you had at the time. It was how to deal with a customer. How do you deal with an argument? How do you do? Because we were there to help the customer and make sure they flew American again wouldn't dare think of United Airlines. That's not the way it is today. Our flights are full. If you don't like it, hey, down the hall, guy. It, it's really... It's a shame. That's all there is to it. Because when you book a seat on an airline, you are entering a minimum security prison in that there's so many rules, regulations, and things that go on naturally to the process. You need someone to help you through it. That was customer service. Today, they're more like prison guards. Well, is there a way around it? Because I would think, right, if I was running an airline, I would assume that you want to engender passenger loyalty. You want them to come back and not just fly your airline once a year. You want them to have a great experience. And, of course, in the service industry, it's not the delivery of the service that matters. It's the recovery. When something goes wrong, how do you recover? And if you recover well, I love you. I'm coming back. Fair enough? No, that's absolutely true. A disenfranchised customer, if you turn them around, they're more loyal than the the ones you didn't abuse. So that's a real thing. That's your opportunity when someone's really ticked. Let me see what I can do to make this work. And don't kid yourself. I've been there. I've been at the gate and there are squirrels flying. You can never make them happy. But most people, if there's something legitimate, you can turn it around and get them to be a a, a loyal customer all the way through. I mean, I remember uh, this, this story actually happened. It happened at the old Denver Stapleton Airport at least 35 years ago. There was a flight leaving. It canceled for a mechanical. And there's one gate agent at the counter at the gate who was trying to reprocess all the passengers. And the line was about, you know, 80 people. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, this one guy muscles his way all the way through to the front, slaps his ticket, paper ticket days, slaps his paper ticket down on the counter and said, I've got to go on this flight. It's got to be first class. And she looked at him and she said, well, sir, listen, I'm trying to help everybody out. This flight canceled. I'll do my best to help you. He said, do you have any idea who I am? And without flinching, she reached down and picked up the PA, the microphone for the terminal, and said, attention, everybody in the terminal. We have a passenger here at gate 37 who does not know who he is. And and, wait, it, it gets better. And then he looked at her and said, blank you. And everybody heard it. And she, her, her response was perfect. She said, sir, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to stand in line for that too. Well, <laughs> 80 people that applauded and they loved her because she was dealing with not a nice person, right? Conversely, I was at the airport in Montreal just recently, as, as you know, because we're in Montreal. 
And someone had made a reservation for me, which was a legitimate reservation, for a full fare flight from Montreal to Miami and then from Miami to Belize. And they made it on two separate reservations. I have no idea why they did that. But when I got to the airport, the counter agent said, oh, I can't tag your bags all the way to Belize. You're going to have to get off the plane in Miami, get them and recheck them back in through customs. And I said, but I'll miss my flight. He said, there's nothing I can do. I said, of course there's something you can do. You just merge the two reservations. They're full fare. Yeah. Do you know what he did? He said he was unable to do it. The rules wouldn't let him do it. So he canceled both flights and charged me $1,200 to fly on the flight I was already ticketed on. Wonderful. Right? Well-trained. Yes. Well-trained. And then wanted to, because I, and because when he did that, they canceled my first-class ticket, and now for $1,200 I was flying in coach, and he then wanted to charge me for bags. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the nonsense we have. You know, you know about loyalty. Years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, a major network flew me to Los Angeles and walked through LAX and talked about air, you know, air, airline service. This is before you, you, know, you get into the sterile area. And we were standing in front of Southwest. And Southwest had told this network, "We don't want to talk to you. Just leave us alone." But there's a line of people. The flight was a twelve o'clock flight and was leaving at twelve forty-five. And the correspondent at this network looked at me and he said, how can you call that good service? And I didn't have a chance to answer. About six people jumped out of the line at Southwest and said, don't criticize our airline. Ah. That's loyalty. You know, we saw what happened last December with the huge meltdown, nearly 2 million passengers affected, costing Southwest an amazing amount of money in order of, of reimbursing expenses and crazy stuff. But I said this at the time, and I'll say it now. All those people who went on radio and television, including my own show, and said, I'm never flying Southwest again, they were lying. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, Southwest has built up such a wonderful reservoir of passenger goodwill that of course they're flying them again. Because again, it's not it's not the delivery of the service that got them in trouble. In the past, it was the recovery. Now that Southwest has recovered from that, uh the reasons why people flew Southwest in the beginning, I believe, and please argue with this if you don't agree with me, are the same reasons why they're flying them now. They don't feel they're being nickel and dimed. You know, the idea that they're not charging you for two checked bags is huge from a marketing perspective and from a per, from a perception perspective. Even though their airfares may be matching the other the other major carriers, you don't feel you have to go to your wallet to breathe, and they're not promising something they're not delivering. Well, another thing too is people don't realize that how much that loyalty is. When we had our with a, a major Chinese team working at Las Vegas, I had to trans- go back and forth between Denver and Las Vegas probably once a week or so. I always flew Southwest, and don't kid yourself, there were several times Southwest fare was higher than United or anybody else. Not by much, but higher. But I always took Southwest because I knew if the meeting ran late, I had to change my reservation. I wasn't going to have to call my banker in Zurich for a loan. <laughs> and in some cases, you got a refund. Because, oh, sir, this is a loan. I, I got a refund. Why would I fly anybody else? It just didn't make any sense. Even if it was 20 bucks more expensive, the convenience and how you're treated was so much easier than all the rules and regulations on other airlines. And I'll say that other, air other. 
<laughs> well, listen, remember, the, the, the story you just told me was a story that existed prior to the pandemic. It didn't just happen when United Airlines got rid of change fees. Southwest Airlines never had change fees. So that's another, that's a, there's another good reason. Well, when they put this current system in place where you, you line up in groups of five, um, I got a call from Gary Kelly, the, the CEO of the company, and he said, we're putting this into effect tomorrow. Mike, use it before you open your big mouth and say anything about it. I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. It's a great system for boarding. It's a great system. It's easy. Nobody gets upset. It, it, it's just nice. And that's what makes it no anxiety flying. Other carriers, the anxiety could be, I mean, you book a seat and say, oh, that's a choice seat. That's an extra $35. It's not choice anything. It's the same cramped seat. It's just 12 rows from the front instead of three. Oh, wait, let, let, let me go one step further. The other day, I was, uh, you know, I, I fly more than most people. I have more mileage than most people. And I'm not bragging because I can't redeem it, but we'll get to that at another time. <laughs> but I get an email from Delta saying, oh, uh, uh, by the way, and I was flying in the back of the plane. And I was flying like in seat 18A. I like window seats. So, because nobody's going to crawl over me during the flight. So I'm sitting, that's my seat. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes before I get to the airport, hey, I got an email from, from Delta. Good news, you've been upgraded based on your status to 13B. That's a middle seat. Yeah. And, and, that, and to Delta Comfort. That's no longer, no, that's Delta Uncomfort. Why would I want a middle seat? And you know what? I had to I had to completely go nuts at the gate to say, guys, this is not an upgrade. I'll take back, I'll go back to 18A, please. And it's like they looked at me like, why would you do that? I said, have you sat in in that in the middle seat? Stop it. And that's <laughs> but they call Amazing. but they call that an upgrade, which they actually do as an upsell. They want you to pay money for it. You know, I used to say in the yeah. old days when they used to when they used to do better food service, getting an upgraded seat closer to the front of the plane only means you get to smell the cookies, but you still can't have one. Right. <laughs> Again, they don't understand. A couple of years ago, into Hawaii, first class with on a, on a project, uh, the flight canceled. So I go to the Delta Crown Room, whatever they called it at the time, and she said, "Well, you can't. We can't rebook you in first class because." Your fare code is different. I, I don't give it. But you're going to tell me I can't go to first class even though I booked it? Yeah, because the fare code is different. Are exactly. you kidding me? That kind of nonsense is just, it is ridiculous. So, I mean, they're making it hard for customers to make their rules. They learn about it because it's costing you money, a lot of money. And then they're doing something else when it comes to customer service. And this is every airline with maybe one exception, which might be Alaska Airlines, and that is, they're just, it's the world of the, it's the invasion of the kiosks. And so what happens is you can't have a conversation with anybody. And the only conversation you're going to have with them is they say, oh, no, use the kiosk. No, I want to talk to a human being. And, yeah. and what they don't realize when they tell you to go talk to a kiosk is the very person who's telling you that is encouraging the airline to get rid of their job as well. Because sooner or later, you won't be able to talk to anybody. Yeah, this is the problem. Look, air travel is something where you are putting yourself in the hands of a system that is foreign to, you know, getting on a tube and flying across the world is not normal. So you have to work with humans. You can't depersonalize it like that at all times because, man, you know, you're waiting in a line. You don't know where you are. And that's, again, it's unnecessary. And airlines will say, we're dedicated to our passengers. 
I don't think so. Well, at what point do they come? Do they come to uh, to grips with? Are we or are we not human? You know, self-loading human cargo. I, I don't know. You know, the, the the problem is a lot of it's a Kool Aid culture. You know, they're, they're, we're dedicated to our customers and we love our customers and all that. That's fine. But then why do you put stupid rules out there? Why do you take half the cabin and economy and say they're choice seats and I'll pay it and you have to pay us 30 bucks more to sit in it when they're not? Why do you do things like that? So stop patting yourself on the back. Well, one example I use when they put in basic economy at these air network carriers, which was to compete with Allegiant, which was nonsense. I mean, they literally told you just how bad it was going to be if you booked that seat. This is nuts. I mean, you want to get passengers on your airplane, you do that by making them loyal to you, by treating them better. One word, Southwest. Well, listen, I like to say this. I give Scott McCartney total credit for this line. He says, friends don't let friends fly basic economy. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's really true. But it was that, that was like a knee-jerk reaction. And look, I mean, you think offering basic economy on United Airlines out of Chicago to Florida is going to do anything to keep people off of Allegiant flying out of Evansville, Indiana. I mean, they, it was just a committee decision to do that. It's not a good idea. It's just stupid. My thanks to Mike. Want to know how Americans are thinking about travel or travel spending? Just ask Matthew Upchurch, the CEO of Virtuoso. Traveler behavior has certainly changed, as well as traveler expectations. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Matthew Upchurch, welcome. Hey, Peter. Thank you. You know, in listening to you speak earlier today to the group, I was actually astounded by one figure that you quoted. And that was that your bookings are like 92% above what they were what, last year? No, in 2019. Oh, my God, even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you ever expect that? You know, to say that I ever expected it, no. Because but, people, we, we know that travel came back. Right. We know that, for lack of a better word, it came back with a vengeance, and, mm -hmm. and people were not really price sensitive. They just wanted to go anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Give me this, give me that, give me that. But I was surprised that it's, it's been sustained. Well, I think what's interesting is, first of all, we had the, you know, we were at the peak of all time, you know, global travel in 2019. And it was driven by two things that you and I've talked about before. One is the longevity revolution 
um, basically means that we now have five generations all traveling at the same time, which has never happened. One of my favorite um, kind of interesting stats is Dr. Ken Dykewell talks about the fact that roughly um, 80% of all human beings since the beginning of mankind that have reached the age of 80 are alive today. So being 80, we've always had 80-year-olds. We just never had the many we have. So you have the longevity revolution on the one side, and then you have all these different generations, and now the Gen Zs, where they're driven by another uh, major trend that has picked up speed, which was the prioritization of experiences over goods. And we've talked about that. I've said this on, on previous shows that the pandemic brought us up close and personal with our own sense of mortality. Well, one, 100%. And in fact, the way I put it, um, that's absolutely true. And the way I put it is, nothing motivates human behavior like having something taken away from you that you took for granted. So for me, you take about all the, you know, I turned, <laughs> I turned 60 last year. Um, the pandemic didn't stop that. And by the way, you don't look a day over eighty. I know, I know, but I didn't. I didn't. You're one of those. No, you're but my point is, is that I a pandemic didn't stop that, right? So all of the fundamentals that were driving tourism, right, numbers didn't go away because of pandemic. And in fact, you can think of the pandemic as like a giant slingshot, <laughs> because as we sat there and the tension of looking at our mortality, looking at all this stuff. Also thinking about how important travel and experiences and shared time and and looking at things, whatever, is to our lives, the prioritization and the desire to do that became even stronger. And yet, you know, we, we talk about where the money's coming from. We know people were able to save a lot of money during the pandemic. Yep. However, they they refocus their, their thoughts, right? They don't want to buy a new car. They don't want to buy new clothing, new jewelry, new electronic items. They want to buy experiences. Mm-hmm. That's what you're seeing. That's what we've seen. I get that. But it's still as strong as ever. And at a certain point, right, a bill arrives. Well, I mean, we, we, we showed a graph today that at the peak of the savings, it was just over $2 trillion. Um, we've spent that down to like $1.2 trillion or something like that, which was considered the excess savings. Um, and, you know, one of the other things that's, that's happening is in certain sectors, um, right now we do have a demand and, uh, demand and supply imbalance. But whenever you have this kind of growth, you know, you're going to see a lot more product. And I think we'll get back into some more of the more normal cycles. Now, the one big caveat that we spoke about here, um, and this affects you whether you're, you live in China or not, um, the return of 155 million Chinese tra- you know, travelers. Um, so what's going to happen when they, they, you know, when they start traveling again? So, um, I mean, we're seeing some cruise lines starting their, their cruise ships operations yeah. in China again. Yeah. Yep. You're seeing the Chinese start to go back for not just regional travel, but they're right. starting to leave. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so all of these things, but I do think that you know, um, you know, as you know, as you know well, uh, at the World Travel and Tourism Council, we were just released our new numbers that global tr- travel and tourism GDP growth is expected to be twice what normal GDP growth is over the next. And, 10 and years. let's talk about GDP so people understand the relative numbers here. Globally, travel and tourism creates a little bit more than 11% of global GDP. So if you're saying it's double the growth? The, the rate of growth, right? Yeah. So the rate of growth over the next 10 years 
of the regular overall economy versus the travel and tourism economy. So the rate of growth is anticipated to be twice as much as, as regular GDP. Wow. That's a big deal. But, I, but you know, and you know, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're talking about this because still, I mean, it's not that I'm just biased because I've grown up in this industry. I do, I, you know, I really do desire for Americans to understand travel and tourism isn't just Jamaica or whatever. It is a massive part of our economy. It's a massive part of entrepreneurial and small businesses, women-owned businesses. I mean, there's so many aspects of it. And sometimes we make a mistake as Americans thinking that travel and tourism is somebody else's. There are millions and millions of jobs. And the other thing that happens with travel and tourism is that it's not just the measurement of the person that gets a direct paycheck from a hotel or an airline or whatever. It's the indirect. So the person that delivers the flowers, the person that builds the trade show booth, the person that does the, I mean, there's the, there's the, the, the indirect jobs that it, that, it, that it creates. Well, when you talk about what defines a job in travel and tourism, it's not just airline pilot. No, no. You know, and that's when you start looking at all those numbers, then you can understand when you had the great migration and the great resignation during the pandemic, where did all those people go? They're still not all back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you're seeing hotels saying, oh, we're full, but they're actually operating at 60% occupancy because they can't support the other 40% of the rooms mm-hmm. that are vacant because they don't have the staff still. Well, and I think, the, you know, and, I, and this is where I would urge people to look at the travel and tourism industry. I mean, I know that people say, well, on the one hand, you know, you, uh, you, know, you have all these shocks and geopolitical stuff and blah, 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 but, the, but the, you know, look what happened. Everybody thought that the tech sector was sacrosanct and would constantly go up, you know, with no no ending. And then what did we do? We tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of layoffs in the tech sector. Right. Right? I mean, so, um, you know, I'm a big believer in the value of travel, not only economically but socially. Um, you know, sustainability is important as we go forward. But if it's done, responsible travel is done right, it's going to be one of the most important things, you know, both economically and socially and environmentally. Um you know, when you talk about the redefinition, at least of the perception of travel agents or travel advisors, that was motivated by the pandemic as well. Well, I'm a little biased on that because we started, you know, I started but I'm talking in general. travel advisors back in the yeah. 2000. But you're right. I think what, what what's happened is, is that, you know, booking travel, I mean, there's a thousand ways and a hundred new ways being invented all the time. The value of a travel advisor is not just in the booking of travel. It's like it's it's what how they interact and how they help you, um, you know, look at trade offs, how they look at the information, their their use of their contacts, their relationships uh, before you, you know, while you're planning your travel during the travel. It's real simple. Somebody that actually knows you and cares about you has got your back because it's travel. It's not if something goes wrong. It's when something goes wrong. Is that your new branding message? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it just is what it is, right? I go back to the pandemic, Matthew, and nobody's making any money. Nobody's making any commissions. Travel agents were spending an inordinate amount of time trying to get their clients refunds from travel providers who weren't really behaving very well. Whether they wanted to or not, they still weren't. Uh, there are still travel advisors that are still trying to get refunds back for their clients that are over two and a half years old. Well, and that's one of the one of the one of the reasons the value of travel advisors um, grew during the pandemic is because those people that had good travel advisors got more refunds, got more uh, got protected um, than those that didn't. Um, 
And I think it really, I mean, I'm very proud of the way our advisors, you know, operated when they were. So here's, here's the thing. In April of 2020, <laughs> in March of 2020, airline sales, and that's just one metric, but I use that for overall. Right. Airline sales had gone down about 38, 40% that month, right? Boom. Yeah, but by April. Semi, well, and this is a, so, so I asked people, I said, so how much, how, how far down do you think we were in April? People outside the travel I said, I don't know, 90%, whatever. I said, try 130%. And they went, how can you be down more than 100%? It's called refunds. Right. It means not only do I not have any income, You're giving but I'm back. literally working 24-7, basically doing nothing but collecting and refunding money. So, you know, at least, you know, everybody was feeling sorry for the restaurants, which, you know, great, but at least you went in, you bought your meal, you ate your meal, and that's it, right? And we didn't have, we, I mean, we were like literally weeks and weeks and months and months where our advisors with no income we're literally working just to get refunds back. And now, X number of months later, we're looking around and seeing every plane is full, every hotel is full, they're getting rates that are, in some cases, historic highs. We saw a coach airfare the other day, just between New York and London, for $2,200. Coach, mm -hmm. right? We saw a business class ticket, uh, $10,000, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and the plane was full. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there going, I'm either in the wrong business or this is a dream that's going to end for somebody very soon. Well, I, I mean, hopefully the market forces will take, will, will take uh, effect. Um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about why this. I mean, uh, there is a part of me that says, okay, the airline industry did get $57 billion of taxpayer money. You want to repeat that? Uh, yeah, the <laughs> airlines got $57 billion of taxpayer money. Um, and... I just want to make sure that airline competition and all this kind of stuff keeps getting protected. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think one thing that a lot of travel providers learned is um, kind of almost a forced new level of education on yield management, which is like, hmm, if we have constrained capacity, how far can this, how, how far can these rates go? Yeah. Um, and then, ready themselves for when, you know, when they're, they're going to play that, that horse as far as they can. And, you know, certain things you think, okay, you learn certain lessons from the pandemic. An unanticipated moment, beware of, un, un, you know, unrealistic consequences, but there it is. You would think, and let's go back before the pandemic, airlines, were, were, and they were doing this left and right, were literally publishing schedules. They knew when they published them, they couldn't support. And this gets right down to your travel advisors who were booking these flights for their clients, right? With 33-minute connect times. This is before the pandemic, right? The other day, I was on a 737 MAX, 180 passengers. When Boeing built the 737, it was never intended to carry 180 passengers, but we'll get to that later. But the plane was full. When we got to the gate, I took out my stopwatch, and I timed, okay, how long, on average... Assuming you're sitting in the middle of the plane, right? Was it going to take you to get off the plane? Want to guess? 23 minutes. Okay. So how does an airline publish a 33-minute connect time when it takes you 23 minutes to get off the first flight? Mm -hmm. And they call that a legal connection. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, your clients are at a disadvantage. Your your travel advisors are at a disadvantage because when you go on the computer, it's what it shows legal, mm -hmm. but it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and then, with every plane full, if you miss that connection, 
even if they want to put you on the next flight, it's full. It's full, so you're spending the night in the rocking chair at the Charlotte airport, which I don't think it was designed to do. So what strength can you apply to this? What pressure can you apply to this to the travel provider to say, okay, make as much money as you want, but can you please publish a realistic schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the main thing we try to do there is through customer a- advocacy. Um, so we're very strong supporters of the American Society of Travel Advisors, and that's a lot of what we do, just really kind of like trying to trying to just make these things more um, visible um, and making sure that, you know, we the only reason we are in business is because we are advocates of the customer um, because we own nothing, right, except the trust of the customer. So that's the main the, the main thing we do. So we, we, we urge our clients to voice themselves. Um, and then through our trade association, uh, we try to put, you know, we try to make it known that these issues are the issues that they are. I got to ask you this because I know you're a member of a frequent flyer program <laughs> or more than one. How many? No, I, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. So. Okay, it's American. Okay. <laughs> but most people are members of more than one. Do you know how many frequent flyer accounts there are in America right now? Do you want to no. guess? What? 320 million. <laughs> now, that means most people are members of more than one. Yeah. We're addicted to these programs. They were the most effective marketing idea of the 20th century, certainly one of the most. But it's sort of morphed into some booking engine now. And, and the biggest profit for the airline now is their frequent flyer program. They actually make more money from their frequent flyer programs than they make operating as an airline. And when I say more money, the money that they're making from the frequent flyer programs is more than the market cap of each airline. It is astounding to me, right? Now, do you have any frequent flyer miles you haven't redeemed? <laughs> There's the answer right there. <laughs> me too. I mean, now, I, I could redeem them, but it's, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's quite something, the amount of miles. Well, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it because it, I'm still shocked by it. We were doing a shoot down in the Antarctic. I had to get somebody down there. And I said, you know, I have all these miles. I never get a chance to redeem them. So I called the airline, and, I, and, and then they said, okay, you can only do it online. So now I go online. It was Delta. And I said, okay, how much for one business class round-trip ticket from Atlanta to Santiago in Chile? You want to guess? One ticket. 300000 400000 I'm afraid you're not going to go to the showcase showdown. No. No, 749,000 miles. <laughs> and when I called Delta, I was in, when the paramedics revived me, and I called Delta and I said, how can you do this? Do you know what they said to me? Three words, because we can. This is a different Somebody rule. actually literally said that to They you? said that to me, yes. And, <laughs> yeah, and it, I'm still in shock. A little bit. Now, needless to say, I did not redeem those miles because the math made yeah. no sense, yeah. right? But the thing is, every flight is full, and even if every flight wasn't full, the airlines feel they have no incentive, to, I understand why, to displace a revenue passenger yeah. by giving you something that you signed up for in terms of loyalty. And it's one of the biggest forms of complaint we get right now on this show, other than refunds and insurance questions, it's the meaninglessness of the frequent flyer programs. Where do we go from this? I mean, I agree with you. There's, um, and we're advocates for the for the customer. I mean, but what's what is interesting is I think about it from the perspective of that, um, you know, 
the supply and demand. Because the flip side of that would be that if I am a full fare paying passenger and I need to get there for whatever reason, yeah. I want to be able to, I want to, and, and that is, that is the free market forces of, you know, that's I want to pay $10,000. Right, but, but, but that's a paid ticket. Right. Right. That's a paid ticket. But, but what I'm saying is that yeah. what's, that's what makes it so many miles. Right. Um, so, but, but you know, it's yeah. funny, it's, it's funny you bring up the, the, the mileage and because uh, on mileage, because you know how I've always said that if you want to understand what's happened to travel advisors, think about what happened with stockbrokers. Once upon a time, there was a stockbroker, but inside that moniker, you had people that were just transaction processors, people that were real wealth advisors and real, you know, same thing with that, but travel agents, you had people that were just processors and people that really added value throughout the whole thing. But what's interesting is today I think about, I think about, you know, um, I think your frequent mile, uh, your frequent mileage uh, points and all that is the the crypto account in your travel sites. Sort of the, <laughs> it is. It's your alternative investment, and just like crypto, it can be worth one thing one minute and because the worthless. airlines control it. And it's yeah. interesting because from a financial point of view, Matthew, it is cryptocurrency, isn't it? It kind is of. because the airlines can uh, carry all the unredeemed miles on their books as a contingent liability. But that's false. It's, it's, it's completely phony because they control the redemption. It's not a liability because you don't have a liability because you're not required to redeem anything. And you change the rules all the time. So in an environment where the U.S. Department of Transportation is taking a more active role, they're proposing new passenger rights rules, um, Joe Biden is actually making it part of a State of the Union address, I'm thinking that maybe we get to a point where I'm not talking about re-regulation of the airlines. That, no. That's not going to happen. But with rulemaking, and, and maybe even it's a Federal Trade Commission issue, you've got to get back in there and give people clarity and transparency of this frequent flyer program issue because it's not there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's one of those things when, you know, I mean, people sign up, you know, you get your Social Security number and your frequent flyer account number when you're born. Um, but it's, I mean, I think, you, you know... It, that is the state of it, which is uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a form of cryptocurrency where the issuer controls all the rules. Yeah. Um, so you got to play. It is a game. You, it is a game to be played. You just got to understand that it is a game to be played versus you know a right. My thanks to Matthew. Okay, let's admit it. Travel insurance is often the most confusing, often misleading aspects of the travel experience. And what are you really covered for? Richard Aquino of Allianz Travel on the changing language and maybe some good news about the coverage of travel insurance. Richard Aquino, welcome back. Good to be here. Thank you. So you guys are always, you know, doing surveys uh, because you're tracking the trends of your of your customers, of your policyholders. Uh, This has been a a weird time in which every plane is full. Every destination seems to be bursting at the seams, and yet people still have their favorite destinations they want to go to. What does your survey tell you? Well, our survey tells us that, that people are traveling, of course. We looked at uh, about a million, uh, over a million, uh, we surveyed over a million people, 1.6 million. We looked at the itineraries and where people were going. And we're seeing, you know, destinations like Orlando being number one. But that's not, that's, they've always been like number one domestically. They, they have. Yeah. And, and internationally, we're actually seeing international at a 55% increase over last year. And say, say that once again, 55%. 55%. And what is key about that is last year, the numbers went off the charts and we didn't 
think it would be sustainable. We thought, okay, it's everybody's traveling to Europe last year. They started back. Uh, there's no way that can keep up. And it's not just keeping up. It's outpacing that. So hey, let me stop you right there for a second, because, you know, there's one way to look at this, which is that the power of the dollar over the euro and the pound and other foreign currencies is still relatively strong. It wasn't as strong as it was last year, but it still makes a difference, right? I mean, look, we're here in Canada right now where the dollar is very strong against the Canadian dollar. So you would think that would be attractive. However, put that aside for a second. The airfares, though, are through the roof. So and people are still going. You know, it does. I think it definitely costs you more to go someplace today, and and the planes are full, um, and people are just spending the money for the experience. So okay, so we have Orlando. What else? Well, I think if you look at Europe, I mean, London was was number one. You know, we have Italy. Uh, Italy number three. Paris is number two. Paris always makes the the one or two. I mean, France right. is just a, a great destination in general. But we're we're seeing strong demand. Um, and we're seeing people want to pay for the nicer hotels uh, and, and the better experience. So they're not only spending the money, they're already de- de- demanding the upgrade. They, they, they truly are, yes. And so, okay, last year you didn't think it was going to be sustainable. Now we're looking at this year. And if you look at all the, the forward booking projections between now and the end of the year, they're just as strong, if not stronger. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I was listening to a, a radio show. Bloomberg, I think, was saying. Are you saying that you listen to another radio show other than mine? Well, you're you don't have twenty four hours yet. When you do, I, I don't want twenty four. <laughs> when you do, I'm there. Uh, but they were just saying there's just a lot of money that are still that's still on the sidelines uh, that in ba- people's bank accounts, uh, fr- and they're using that to to travel. And so. Now let's get into the, the segue of the insurance itself, because no matter where they're going, no matter how much money they're willing to spend, they still want to be protected. They do. I'm, I always say there's human nature and mother nature when, when it comes to travel. Uh, of course, everybody wants the best experience and, and the best journey they can have, but bumps along the road come, right? Whether it's a, a rainstorm or, you know, a, a, an accident on the way to the airport or, you know, other things that happen because uh, the, the flight couldn't take off. All right. So, so now, how have you adjusted your policies in the last, let's say, two years in the wake of the pandemic to start adjusting for all that other stuff, considering the volume is now going through the roof? Well, we... During COVID, we, you know, we leaned in, we, we made accommodations, making sure our products fit the market, because you have to have a product that, that fits the market, that's valuable to, to a traveler. And as the world was in chaos, I'll say, because COVID, because things are, are closed and not, not going on, uh, or not, not, the itineraries aren't happening, we still didn't stop thinking about what we had to do for the next leg. So what does that mean? It just means we build stronger products. In our agency channel, for example, we added um, a veterinary emergency. So we look at, we look at your pet as, a, as really part of your family. And people don't think about that because, the, well, I think about that because I've had dogs, but, but the point is insurance companies don't necessarily look at that. I mean, they don't because it's just, oh, that's right, you had a dog, and next thing you know... That, that, that interrupted the trip. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we added that. Of course, you'll see things like uh, for a longer school year. So let's say the school year got extended. 
because there was too many snow days and most and a lot of people actually you know the day school ends are leaving on on their summer trip so now that's a reason to cancel your trip if the school year is extended and again these are you know policy based um uh, depending on, on what you purchase because every policy is different but we thought we should make a stronger product that's the the bottom line is we always look to what the value of the traveler, how we can accompany them as, as they travel. And so basically anybody listening to us who has a dog, uh, check, check with Alliance, you might be protected, right? That's it, that's it. Is there a dog food provision as well? <laughs> Not dog food, okay. no, no. Just, just the pets. I'm just double checking here, <laughs> I wanna make sure pets. we have all the, okay, so if there's a dog food exclusion on the policy. <laughs> no. <laughs> So brand news news bulletin, if you have a dog, you can be protected on your travel insurance. What about a cat? It's a veterinary emergency. So A pig? It covers, well, yes, if you have a pet pig. (laughs) (laughs) We will look at that as as, as to be covered. A horse? You know, I don't know about a horse. I mean, I I think there's... It has to be a domesticated animal. Yeah, I mean, we're talking talking pet versus versus (laughs) on the farm. But if the horse is living in the house, ah, well... Uh, You know, you got me there. Okay, fine. Let's talk about something that... That's a little bit confusing. And this really came to, to fruition during COVID when people thought they, they were covered for everything. But there is, a, there is a policy out there that some insurance companies offer, some don't, called CFAR. And what, it, what you actually mean by the CFAR, which is also confusing when you actually start to, to deconstruct it, it stands for cancel for any reason, otherwise known as just because, right? But you don't get 100% of your investment back if you just cancel for any reason. It tends to be a more expensive policy. Yes. Right. So that now, do you cover that now? Do you have? We, we do. So we don't have a, a CFAR because what a CFAR has is usually, depending on the the person who provides it, will have a blackout window, which means you can't cancel for any reason between twenty four and seventy two hours before you go. And that's kind of a gotcha because a lot of cancellations actually happen the day before departure or the day of departure. They also will pay you maybe a credit back or thirty percent or forty percent or fifty percent or. 70% back. But you're not getting all the money back. You're not back. getting all the money back. Now, with with one of our policies, we have a cancel any time. And why we call it cancel any time is there's no blackout. So you get 80% back for a bad hair day if you can't go. You get 100% back if it's a covered reason. So it falls... Okay, what would be a covered reason? Um if you get sick, if you have a car accident, if you're... Because that would come under the normal cons- standard policy provisions of a trip cancellation or interruption policy. Exactly, exactly. So your regular coverage is there, and then if you're dating someone and, and you just all of a sudden wake up and don't like them, you can cancel. You know, in my previous life, I would have had to take out that policy. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in handy. Be I would have been one of your biggest customers. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's be st- clear about this. Cancel for any reason, there are usually time provisions on that for other policies. Yes, in the marketplace, there's quite a few. No, I wouldn't say quite a few, but there are a few out there. Um, and they all have, and it's not a gotcha. I'm, I'm not saying that people you know, put things in. I can't speak for them. We just like to build the best customer experience we can. Right. Um, And the other other thing about CFAR, which I think applies to your policies as well, or cancel any time, is once the trip starts, all bets are off. You're not going to cancel it on the third day because you didn't like the weather. Correct. Right. You're on the trip. Now, other other policy benefits will, will come into play, like trip interruption. 
for example. So if you have to come home because a, a loved one got sick and you have to come home to take care of them or you're, you're sick or something. So, so it's just a different coverage on the policy. But if it's not sunny, you know, I, I, that's mother nature. We can't help that. Now, some policies, I have to tell you, you really have to read them very specifically because when they call it trip cancellation interruption, uh, let's say there's a, a, a serious weather incident or, or a tour operator cancels or an airport is closed for whatever reason. There could have been an accident on the runway, another airplane. Some of those policies say, but the runway has to stay closed for 48 hours. You know, it's, it's like, I didn't know that, you know. Yeah, different policies have different languages, like a 24-hour sensation of service or a carrier call delay versus, versus you know, kind of a Mother Nature delay. So, and I will say, whatever policy you buy from whatever company, you know, read the policy. And one thing in Allianz that we've done is we've made our certs kind of like people-friendly, I'll say, where it, it, they make sense in English that you can read and see what's covered. Basically, you're covered for this, you're not covered for that. Correct. But you still have to read it. You do have to read it. So this is my advice to, to and, and I know this goes against your online folks, but I am a big fan of the conversation. So if you want to buy the insurance, and in many cases you should buy the insurance based on your investment in your, in your trip, have, go to a travel advisor, go to a travel, travel agent, go to the insurance company directly. Talk to a human being so they can walk you through what you're covered for and what you're not covered for. Uh, it, it's so true. I mean, Allianz has a lot of partnerships with travel advisors because travel advisors and travel companies want a really strong product to protect their, their guests, right? And so they know our products, they understand our products, and they're not insurance specialists. So we always say, you know, if you have a question, call us. You can, one, we're here for questions all the time. So, so take advantage of talking to a live human being, whether it's a travel advisor and if the travel advisor, if it's a detailed question, talk to us, um, read the certificate of insurance, understand what the product is, and you have a 15-day cancel window. So you can look at it, not like it, and get your money back. My thanks to Richard to Mike Boyd, and to Matthew Upchurch. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, the best insurance policy, you know what to do. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.